Thank you so much. Make sure I have that on. That was actually me, Pastor Mike. I turned it on before it was ready. I would like to do something special this morning. I don't know if you're aware, but today is Pastor's Appreciation Day. Can we get on our feet and thank God for Pastor Micah and Callie? Let's give them a hand. Amen. Amen. There is a lot to be said for a young couple that, that will sacrifice their lives for Jesus. And even more to be said for those that will partner with him in leading people. There is a, a heavy weight, and Jesus carries that weight, but it, it lands on the shoulders of, of pastors and leaders and fathers, and I'm just thankful to see and thankful to be here uh, to see the healthy culture that there is here, to see the prayer that starts here, to see the, the love that is already in this house. And so we just want to honor you today and, and all that you guys do, all that you carry throughout the year. We love you. So, so one thing, we're going to talk about one thing today, but I've got a lot to talk about. I never thought there would be so much to talk about with one thing. So Pastor Mike has been going through uh, the book of Mark, the gospel of Mark, and talking about, are you a fan? Are you a follower? Or are you just familiar family? How many of you have been here for that? It, it's, it's a, what a great word. What a great perspective to look at. We all want to be fans of Christ, right? But fans kind of connotate that we're back. We're, we're set apart. We're not really there with him. And family... Sometimes you just get overly familiar with your family. So I know that a lot of times the people that you uh, that get the very worst of you are the ones that get you at the end of the day, after a long day. And we want to be more than that to Jesus. We want to be followers. Well, I want to add another word today, and that word is focus. We've tried to create all kinds of words so that we could... Uh, live in our ADD lifestyle. We've tried to cre create um, words like priorities, focuses, or I think the, the, I was corrected the other day, foci, but I don't think that really resonates in Oklahoma where I live, but focuses, you know, having multiple focuses, multiple perspectives and priorities. Perspectives are fine, but can you really have more than one priority? Can you really have more than one focus? I know maybe the ladies amongst us, they're better at multitasking than us guys. We have our waffle. We like to keep it in there. But we need to realize that, that distraction's real. And among good and godly people, distraction is one of the greatest tools of the enemy. We're called to something. And that something is to partner with Christ, to follow him. We are called to be transformed by him. This transformation process is huge. I, it just, all through the scriptures, it talks about transformation. The reason we need Jesus is because we cannot do enough to save ourselves. We can't quit enough to save ourselves, and we need help. But when we follow Jesus, something happens. When we follow him, we start to look like him. When we follow him, we start to think like him. How many of you believe 
that God's ways are higher than our ways, that his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. But I also will tell you that he's given us access to his thoughts and his ways and his mind through the Holy Spirit. But we need to follow Jesus and be transformed by him. So the very first transformation is this. In in Colossians 1, 13, it says, He delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son. I don't know how much more even needs to be said past that. That's just such good news. He took us and he gave us a new spirit. He put a new spirit within us. And he invited us into this process of transformation. So he transformed us in a split of a second, and he's transforming us as we walk with him. And why is he doing this? It says, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile himself to all things whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross, to reconcile himself to what? All things. When we walk in the kingdom of God, we have a certain authority because of whose we are. Not because of who we are, but because of whose we are. I really walk out into my yard, and I expect the grass to be greener. I expect for my vehicles to last longer. I expect for my shoes not to wear out as quickly. There's plenty of provision for all of those things. But I expect those things because we are walking in his purposes. My family fought sickness last week. And those those whispers try to sneak in. I've got to be in Boswell on Sunday. What if I get sick? What if I have to call Pastor Micah and not be there? All the what ifs. But you know what? One of the big what ifs is if we're focused on ourselves, we're going to fall prey to those things. But when we focus on the kingdom of God and get to go, we get to go share the word of God. And praise God I didn't get sick. I was delivered from it. Praise God my kids are healed now. How about that? That's awesome. So another scripture that, that really talks about this is Romans 12.2. So if you'll turn there... Um, it says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the mercies of God to be present, to, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. It says, do not be conformed to this world, but what? Be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the good, what is the, the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. So that tells me that there's a process to some of this as well. What I believe is God has given us a new spirit. He put his spirit inside of us. And that's pretty incredible. He's made us righteous from the inside out. But he's making us righteous through our flesh, through our soul, our mind, our will, our emotions. I don't know about you guys, but do emotions scare anyone else? I don't like processing emotions. Sorrow is a hard one for me. I like to be a happy guy. Last month, I had to be a part of about four or five funerals with people that I loved. And it was hard. I had to process the sorrow. My emotions, I had to take them to God and say, God, what do I do with this? 
I have so much joy, but at the same time, I have sorrow and I'm weeping with family members. But we can take those things to God and they can be transformed. You know, he weeps with us. He, he rejoices with us. But we can take those things to him. We can take our thoughts. And oh, we need to take our thoughts. We need to take our thoughts like when that sickness tries to creep in. And say, God, I don't think that's what Jesus would be thinking. I don't think Jesus would be afraid of being sick. Do you? Do you know part of what his mission was was to come to heal the sick and proclaim the year of the Lord to all that were there? We get to partner with that as well. So we'll dig into that introduction a little bit more as we go through this. But what is the one thing, the one thing that changes everything? Because we have, focused, we have created words like focuses and priorities to describe how we approach life. And I tell you what, from the abundance of our heart, the mouth speaks. When we start doing things like that, when we start talking about focuses and priorities, our words build worlds. And what we are building is from our hearts. We are so distracted at large. Um, I was talking to Pastor Micah before the service and just how hard it is sometimes to enter into worship. How hard is it to enter into prayer sometimes? Not, not just the flippant prayer of the familiar, but that intimate place, that place where you're seeking the face of the Lord. It can be quite hard sometimes. Am I the only one that struggles with that? Because I'll see you know what you call a, a squirrel. It's like, oh, why is that light flickering? There's no light flickering. Don't worry about it. That happens in Durant, not here. <laughs> or why does the song go in that sequence? Or this or that? Or, or what am I going to say here in a minute when I get on stage? There's a million different distractions. And they may be good distractions. How does, how does my wife feel today? Is she, is she okay? Is she doing well? Am I, do I give all of my focus to my wife? I have a beautiful wife. She's really easy to focus on. And she's pretty awesome. But have I made her the priority in my life? I'm saying a lot there. And I'm saying something that's very hard. For me to make her my God would put an unfair weight on her. For me to make her my only focus would put an unfair weight on her. Should I love her and care for her in sickness and in health? Absolutely. But through focusing on Christ, I become a better husband. When Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things will be added to you. He was talking about not being anxious about anything. He was talking about not worrying about food, not worrying about shelter, not worrying about what you'll wear. He said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness because where the king is, he has authority. And when we seek the kingdom first, we start to be a part of the overflow of the kingdom. We, a lot of times, we approach things and say, God, fill me up so that I can minister from the overflow. God, fill me up so that I can do this. Fill me up so that I can do that. The problem is the I. 
It's what we want to do. God, yes, we want to be empowered. But when we seek him first and we seek what he wants to do, we walk in all the power and all the provision that we could even imagine. It's like a volcano when when the lava starts coming down the side. There is nothing that's going to stop that lava. It will affect everything as it comes down. The trees, the houses, the cars, it affects everything. How much greater is the kingdom of God than lava? When we focus on him, when we put him first, it changes everything. It didn't say focus on work. Is work good? Brother Aaron, is is work good? Should we work hard? He's one of the hardest working guys I know. I see him going all the time. We should work hard. Does it say that, that we should focus on our marriage, as I say? Does it say that we should focus on our kids? We live in a culture where we've idolized children. Children are wonderful. They're like arrows in the hand of the archer. And Callie, I promise you, it also says that he gives his beloved sleep. Amen? Isn't that good? Right before he said that children are like arrows, I think, I think he's noting that there's a season, there's a seasonal element here. It doesn't say focus on your health. I don't know about you guys, but I've got distracted with healing before. I need healing, or I need provision, or I need this, or I need that. But are we seeking on what God is doing? I'll tell you another thing. If we go to Matthew 18, they're asking, who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom? We focus on position. We focus on, are we doing better than the person sitting next to us? A couple of chapters later, the mother of two of the apostles said, can they have the seat at the right and the left hand of you? Again, there's contention because all the other apostles are going, well, what about me? Well, what about me? What about me? Pride is the source of all contention. Where there's envy and strife, there is every evil work. So I want you to look at the person sitting next to you, and I want you to tell them, you contain. You don't trust me yet, do you? So look at the person next to you. It's not a trap. And tell them, you contain the address of the Holy Spirit. If we have been made temples of the Most High, we can accept that for ourselves, right? Like He's made us His dwelling place. Wow. He's made us His dwelling place. So that means that He's also provided that address for the person sitting next to you. When we start to discern the body, we're no longer sick, we're no longer weak. Has God called Victory Life Boswell to be a weak church? Has he called you guys to be a powerless church? When we discern the body of Christ, the body of Christ in us and the body of Christ next to us, we will never be shortchanged. There is so much power in unity. There is so much power in focusing on what God is trying to do, which is bring transformation to this entire world. Everything. 
back to the garden. We just think, well, God, can you just make my tires last another month? No, he wants to take us back to complete transformation one day. And the church is his arbiter for carrying his gospel, his good news. Amen? So when you seek first the kingdom of God, all of these things will be added to you. It's like that rock that hits the pebble. The, the, the rock that hits the pebble. That happens too. When that rock that hits the water and it sends out the ripples and it affects everything. We are seeking to be a part of more than just what God is doing. We are seeking God, who God is. And as we seek him, we are transformed by him. He's the one thing that changes everything. Culture is an interesting concept. It's how we do what we do. It's how we perceive the things around us. And I want you to know that the culture of the kingdom of heaven is not static. Meaning, it doesn't stay still. What does it say about the gates of hell? They shall not prevail against my church. That's what Jesus said to Peter when he had the revelation of who he was. The gates of hell will not prevail against my church. Gates are stationary. The church is to be moving. The church is to be transformed. The church is to be taking ground daily. Have you ever wondered why when I get a revelation, it becomes attacked just all of a sudden? Because the enemy doesn't like giving up ground. And he uses our stupid flesh and our pride, and he uses our selfish desires and our me, me, me mentality to attack us and, and for open doors. But when we open our heart to the kingdom of God, there is provision and there is safety. Jesus is at the center of it all, and when we seek him, he changes everything. When we follow him, the problem with plurality of focus is that we're so easily lured by idolatry. We have idolatry in our kids. We have idolatry in our marriages. We have idolatry in our work. We have, I'm going to challenge a few of you. We have idolatry in trying to be right and find out all of the checkpoints and all of the precepts, we can make this book an idol. Is this book inspired by God? I believe it is. But Jesus himself says, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness of me, and you do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe the one who he has sent, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have eternal life. This should send us to Jesus. This should give our focus and give us a target on what to look at. It is God's advice on how to live the very best. But it also is a story. It is a love story on how much he loves the world and who he sent himself to save it. Amen? Another way that we have divided focus is our obsession with comfort. Ah, man, wasn't the worship set, I just felt like the worship set had read my notes before I ever got here. It was awesome. 
we are obsessed with comfort. I love driving my wife's truck because it has the, the cold seats. You can turn on the air conditioner and it's like, ah. It, it, it's comfortable. It's nice. I can adjust it about, I don't know, 57 different ways. I don't, I don't know how many adjustments there are. There's always another one. But we love comfort. And whatever it takes not to experience discomfort, that's what we'll do. The Sermon on the Mount, I, found, I find very challenging. When Jesus is talking to um, the Jewish people there, Matthew 5, 3, it says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Does that mean we're supposed to be sad? Does that mean we're supposed to be downtrodden? What does it mean? Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. I mean, comfort's good, but mourning, who wants to go through mourning? That stinks. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Not persecuted because you're right. We a lot of times like to pick that, that badge up and just put it on and say, they're just after me because I got it right and they're wrong. No, persecuted for righteousness sake. Persecuted for the kingdom of God. Persecuted because you love your creator. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely. On my account. That's not comfortable. That is not a comfortable place to be in. I've had people who I've loved turn their back on me. I've had people that I've stood up for talk bad about me and my family in the community. It's not fun. But you know what? God is pursuing them. And my hope and my prayer for them is that they turn and they find Jesus. We're to pray for our enemies. Because if they find him, then we're family. If they find him, there is no more contention. Amen? Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. How often... Are we comfortable and full of the faith that can move mountains? Think about what I said. Have you ever been full of faith? Like you just knew it was going to happen. Every time I've been in that situation, I have not been comfortable. Because it was something that was bigger than me. It was something greater than me. It was something that I, I had to fully trust on God. When I look at at the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount, I look and I see people that had nowhere else to go. I look and I see the people that said, I'm at the end of me. God, you're my only hope. That's what I see is 
blessed are the poor in spirit because they don't have a whole lot of hope in what they can see and taste and feel. They have hope in who their God is. They have hope in the creator of the universe. When we seek him first, it changes everything. Think about this. When Jesus taught us how to pray, he said, pray then in this way, and this is Matthew 6, 9 through 10. It says, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We so often read the word temptation. You know how words actually have a picture behind them? You know, black dog. What kind of dog do you see? A big black dog. What, like a lab, a poodle, a... Sure, just one of those. Okay, well... Casting down thoughts now. (laughs) So, words paint pictures, right? You don't see temptation and in your your mind read T-E-M-P-T-A-T-I-O-N. You follow me? A lot of times we see the word, we see that word and what we see is difficulty. That's not what he's talking about. He's not talking about difficulty. You'll have difficulty. Jesus said, in this world you will have tribulation. Fear not, I've overcome the world. He said, my people have overcome the world too because they've been found in me. So it's not talking about keeping us from difficulty. I know this is like a pet peeve of mine, but please pray for patience. Everybody always tells me, don't pray, don't pray for patience. Don't pray for patience because then God's going to give you an opportunity to be patient. Yeah. It's one of his virtues. It'd be good to pray for. So... We don't need to worry about difficulty. He's talking about keeping us from the evil one. John 16, says this, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace in the world. That you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I've overcome the world. I don't know about you guys, but I love uh, the red letters. Some, some Bibles have them, some don't. For me, I just love seeing what Jesus said Um, pop off of the page a little bit. It is so important that we seek Him first. But what does that really mean? How do we do that? How do we say, God, seek first the kingdom of God? But what does it mean? How do we do that? I have a busy life. I have five kids one just got married a few weeks ago. Everybody's getting married. This is, this is how we build the church, right? Start having babies soon. We have a busy life. There's the lots of things that I don't know the answer to. When I read scriptures and I, I prepare for messages, I may understand about every third or fourth one a little bit. But God's constantly building revelation. But there's a lot that I don't have revelation on. There's a lot that I just don't understand. 
But in Romans 1, it says, For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. It goes on to talk about how they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up to their lust, the lust of their hearts, the impurity um, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. So when we do not honor God as God, we do not give thanks, those things happen. But what about the opposite? What about the times where we go, God, your ways are higher than mine. Your thoughts are higher than mine. And I'm called according to your purposes. And I love you. He says, according to Romans 8, 28, that he'll work all things together for our good. But it's for the good of his kingdom. Because we're in his kingdom. I was telling Pastor Micah, um, I had an opportunity to go to Uganda uh, this spring and one of my, the most impactful moments that I had was doing some street ministry. Um, we went down this alleyway, and there was a couple of houses there, and this woman comes out on her porch, and she just spreads her arms wide, and she says, you are welcome, you are welcome, come into my home, you are welcome, you are welcome, come into my home, you are welcome, you are welcome, come into my home, three times, which is beautiful. And so we went in and, and started talking to her, and uh, I was just praying about it and said, God, what do you want to do here? And he said, you should ask her to sing. I said, I said Rebecca, do you sing? And she said, oh, yes, I, I lead the children's choir. I'm like, really? Well, that's pretty cool. I didn't even know if she was a believer or not yet. We were just there to, to serve and give Bibles and, and share the gospel. She led us in 45 minutes of the most beautiful worship in their native tongue, and just you could just feel the palatable presence of God in that room. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been to that place where you're just so focused on God that everything else melts away? You just feel the presence of God. Just feel his goodness. And it was just beautiful. Come to find out she had been in her house. She had had an injury and, and hadn't even been able to go to church, but she was actually one of the ministers in town there. And so we got to pray for her and see her at church the, ne the next day, which was really cool. But I left Rebecca's house, and I didn't make it from here to the door, and I hear somebody call and say, Pastor Landon, come here, come pray for this little girl. And I looked at her, and she's about eight years old. I have an eight-year-old daughter myself, so I could just see uh, my little girl, Cody. And her stomach, this little girl's stomach was descended. And it's in that moment that I realized the only thing that I have to give this child is Jesus. She's on death's door. I don't know if you've got to experience the, those moments when somebody's that close to death. But there's, there's a certain look that, that becomes familiar. And it broke my heart because I had nothing to give her outside of prayer. Can I ask you, is prayer enough? Prayer is all we have to give sometimes. So look at the, the apostles when, when they passed the man and he was asking for alms and they said, silver and gold have I none. 
but they told him about Jesus. So I prayed for this little girl. Her name is Sharif and had just been in this amazing worship service that I just felt the palatable presence of God. And so I lay hands on Sharif and we, we surround her, we anoint her with oil and we talk to her about how much Jesus loves her and about how good her God is, how, how good God is, her creator is, and that he wants to heal her. And we prayed for that tumor to be removed. And I can tell you at the moment, I had nothing else to give her except my faith. Really, the faith that Jesus has placed inside of me. And I felt nothing, and I saw nothing. And I prayed again. And I felt nothing, and I saw nothing. I've seen people healed. I've, I've felt when power leaves and you pray for somebody and they're healed. I'm going, God, this is all I've got right now. Help. I prayed and I said, I see nothing. God, I want to see a miracle. I want to see a miracle. Please, God, I want to see. At this point, I'm on the inside, I'm begging. God, I want to see this. I want to see her healed. There's nothing. I, I, I want to, if I leave Uganda, that's the only thing that happens. God, I want to see it. And I just felt in my spirit, Landon, have you obeyed my word? I shared Jesus with her. I anointed her with oil and I prayed. He said, you've watered. Others will plant. And the increase is mine. And I started arguing with God in, for a minute. He's going, but God, she's eight. I want to see her healed. He said, the increase is mine. And I heard something in my spirit that I never thought I'd hear. Move on. Move on. I'm just going... I don't understand. I don't understand. We moved on and we saw several other people come to know Jesus not a hundred yards down the road. We got to pray for people that were healed just down the road. But it left me confused. I just don't understand. I get a call two weeks later. We were already back stateside. And I had given the number to the local church and clinic to the little girl. And she went home and she told her mom what happened. And to make a long story short, her mom said that she had never seen anything like that. She called and said, why, why are these white people in my, uh, in my village? And it was shared with them that, well, they're giving away Bibles, praying for the sick, and sharing about Jesus. She went home, and the mom was so impacted by what had happened in her village that she converted from Islam. And that was difficult, too, because her husband didn't. It put her and the six kids out. But guess what happened then? God provided her a job. God provided her a clinic to take Sharif to. And God provided her a church to be a part of. So while we may not see from eternity's perspective, and while I totally believe in healing, 
And I totally believe that, that God can touch that tumor and it be gone. I still pray for Sharif. Every time I share the story, I ask the people in the congregation, I tell her name and I ask that you pray for her. Because I know God wants to heal her, but God from the perspective of eternity can see so much more than you and I. When we say, God, you are the creator, you knit me together in my mother's womb, you knew me before you created time. Just like he told the prophet Jeremiah, I've called you before I even knit you together. I've purposed you. I've given you. Do you realize that was part of Jeremiah's, prophet, uh, Jeremiah's calling? He was already given. God had already given him to do his work. Can I tell you that God has already given you to fulfill a work in this world? But it only happens through seeking first his kingdom. Saying, God, you are God and I am not. God, I give thanks because I know you've given a way where there is no way. I know this is difficult, but you've given a way where there is no way. I can't tell you how many times I've said that prayer. And it's like you're standing at a body of water and the stones just come up to make it across to the other side. When we honor God as God and we thank him beyond our circumstance, his provision is just incredible. It is just enormous. That's what it means to give it to God. It means that we trust him in the big picture. We stand. We stand firmly and we fight the good fight of faith. We're not weaklings, are we, Miss Lisa? We are called to be bold and courageous. We're called to gather our arms and stand. But we're standing for His presence, for His purpose, and we're standing in His calling. And that's what it means to give it to God and to seek Him first. When, with all the new marriages in the house, one of the things we're called to as husbands is to pursue our wives. When I pursued my wife, it's because I wanted to know her. One of the funny things, I do a lot of marriage counseling, one of the funny things I see is somebody will just spill everything that they've ever done or ever talked about or ever known on that first date. And then they fall in love. And then they start trying to keep that other person happy. Because it's so good they don't want to lose them. Can I tell you that you will never lose Jesus? You can still take it to him. You can still tell him your every thought. You'll never lose him. He never rejects you, and he is big enough to take all of your thoughts, all of your worries, all of your desires. He's big enough to look inside of your mind and know your thoughts, even the ones that you really hope nobody would ever know, and still love you because he's already paid for you. He's already made it whole. 
So when we seek him first, he changes everything. In Romans 14, 17, it says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. When we follow him, we need to know that he's made us righteous. When we follow him, we need to walk in peace because that's the language he speaks. The process of seeking the kingdom of God is submitting to the lordship of Jesus. It's repenting and turning and changing our minds and submitting our rights to him. Repeat, repeat, repeat. One more scripture I'd like to share with you before we close. And that's 2 Corinthians chapter 3. It's in verse 16. It says, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. That is really simple, but it's profound. Have you ever walked into the room and the lights are off? can't see anything? How about those of us that get up at four in the morning in a dark room to go use the facilities and we find the, the uh, footboard of the bed on the way back? You stub your toe a little bit, huh? That feels good, right? There was, there was a kid's toy in the middle of my bedroom a few months ago and I ended up face planting because I, I don't like to wake up. But, I mean, sometimes you have to get up, right? And so I didn't want to turn the lights on. I I don't even turn the lights on when I'm in there. I just take care of it, go back to bed. And uh, that one night I ended up on my face on the floor because it was dark. When you're blind, you can't see. When it's dark, you can't see. When one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. It's like as we're following him, if we're followers of Jesus, you're going to see the light switch come on, come on, come on, come on. It's not all of a sudden. It's not just, oh, you're going to get to know everything now. The light switch comes on and on and on. When one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom or liberty. And we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed Wow, we're being transformed into the same image. We get to look like him little by little. We're being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is spirit. When we turn to the Lord, he turns the lights on. When we trust him that he is God and we are not, he turns the lights on when we give faith, when we give him our faith and our trust and our thanksgiving, we're also given a path to victory. Amen? Amen. You guys have been such a blessing. It's been an honor and a privilege to share. I'd like to invite the ministry team to come. And my call to us today is just to ask the Father What light do you want to turn on next? I want to encourage you that maybe are are condemned, are feeling uh, like you're just not enough. 
Maybe you feel like I'm so far behind all of the other people I know in spiritual, in spiritual things. Turn to the Lord and he will turn the lights on. Seek him first because he is the one thing. So if you would, put your hands on your heart. Father, we need you. We need the eyes of heaven. We need kingdom eyesight. Lord, we want to be like Jesus. Not so that we have it all together to show off how smart we are or how right we are or how wrong somebody else is. We know that we are wrong. We know that we need help. And we know that you are fully sufficient in all things. Lord, we thank you that you are preeminent above all things. And God, help us to have that perspective of heaven in life. Help us to live each day seeking you, turning our face to you, seeing you as God, seeing you as King, seeing you as Lord, and help us to give thanks because we see the fingerprints of heaven all around us, the things that are good, the things that are lovely, the things that are of good report, Lord, we thank you that we see the fingerprints of heaven. And when we see those things, when we see the kingdom of God, we are comforted by the peace that surpasses all understanding. Lord, I thank you that we can go into battle and have peace. I thank you that we can stand in uncomfortable times and have peace. I thank you that because your kingdom is present and with us, that you have overcome the world, that we have become more than overcomers through Christ who strengthens us. Lord, give us kingdom eyes for Boswell, for our surrounding area. Lord, let us leave this place forever changed because we have seen the King of glory, Jesus Christ. And Lord, thank you that even though we have not arrived, that when we turn to you, you will remove the veil and turn on the lights. Thank you that when we seek you and we trust you, that we get to walk in your kingdom. Lord, thank you for making us righteous. Thank you for making us in our fallen state righteous. Thank you for no longer holding our trespasses against us. Thank you for no longer holding the trespasses of the world against them according to 2 Corinthians 5. Lord, thank you for giving us the ministry of reconciliation. So, Father, help us to be reconciled to you. Renew our minds. We give them to you. Any place where we've hardened our heart, we submit it to you right now. Lord, we love you praise you and all of these things because of your kindness and goodness and mercy giving us of yourself in Jesus Christ amen and amen amen would you stand with me if you need prayer for anything if you want to start that walk with Jesus I know these folks would love to pray with you if you have a place in your life where you've hardened your heart and you've become overly familiar with things that don't line up with the kingdom of God, mindsets that don't. Have somebody join with you in, in faith today. 
and know that God is faithful to turn on those lights. May the Lord bless you and the Lord keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and give you peace. Father, as we leave these doors today, help us to be present in mind of where you are, that you're right here with us. Help us to be present in mind of the body of Christ and the address of the Holy Spirit sitting all around us. And Lord, let us be a force of transformation as we are transformed body, soul, and spirit that we go out of this house and we see transformation in our city. Lord, I thank you that Boswell is blessed. I thank you that the businesses here are blessed. I thank you for those that travel for work, that wherever they go, they're blessed because we, Father, are blessed to be a blessing in your kingdom. Father, we thank you for all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You are dismissed.